podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast on Tuesday, October 20th. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at LibertyShield.com. Happy Tuesday, boys and girls, to everybody except Jordan Pickford, David Coote, and Michael Oliver. Um, on today's show, we're going to just review two games from last night, catch up on a little bit of transfer news that happened on Friday. I didn't get to respond to yesterday because obviously eight games to do yesterday uh, was quite a bit. And then I'm going to do my final locked-in prediction for the final league table uh, for this season. So pretty full show. Uh, We'll get right into it. Burnley travelled to uh, the Midlands to face West Brom and they really shouldn't have bothered. Everybody should have just stayed at home for this one. Uh, a, A rotten game of football to watch. Fairly atrocious. Imagine having a fridge putting it on a crane, getting a washing machine, putting it on another crane and crashing them into each other. That's basically what we got at the Hawthorns last night. West Brom were the more in-control team, but Burnley did have the better chances. Sam Johnston made a couple of good saves. Chris Wood missed a couple of decent chances. Uh, I thought Burnley showed a little bit more than they have in previous games, uh, but then they were facing a team of I'd say less quality than they faced in, in previous games. Uh, all told, I, I was more impressed with West Brom on the night. Must be said. Um, I thought Carlin Grant looked good on his on his debut for the Baggies, uh, and I think him, Pereira, and Diangana is a is a solid front three moving forward. Connor Gallagher, I thought, had a good game in midfield. I still have major concerns over that West Brom defense, though. Ivanovic and Higazi, I mean, there is literally no pace in that, that centre-back pairing. And Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes exposed them, and that might be the slowest front pairing in the league. So, a little bit concerning uh, in that regard for West Brom, but all told, decent performance from them, decent performance from Burnley, all things considered. Given the injuries they have, no Ben Mee, both of their starting right-backs out, uh, Jack Cork ruled out. It's great to see Goodmanson back. He is a very, very good player. When he's fit, he adds a lot to that team in terms of creativity, set pieces, etc. But all told, not a particularly good game. Not one that you missed. Um, followed up by Leeds at home to Wolves. This game disappointed me a bit because I thought with two really exciting teams, I thought we'd have quite a lot of chances, a lot of you know, end-to-end action. Didn't really turn out that way. Both teams played pretty well, but at the same time, only five shots on target in the whole game. Wolves lacked ambition at times. I thought it was a very meh performance from Wolves. They they looked like a team sh- whose confidence is a little bit shook, which is understandable given they've had a bit of a ropey start to the season. But that's a good three points for them to get going to Elland Road. It won't be easy for anybody to go there. Now, Yesterday, I kind of went in two-footed on Jordan Pickford because of the tackle on Virgil van Dijk, and I I left Michael Oliver and 
David Coote, the referee, and the VAR from that game alone because uh, they were working last night and I wanted to see how they performed in the roles reverse situation. So for those that don't know, David Coote and Michael Oliver are also the two that were in charge when Giovanni Lacelso almost broke Aspi Laqueta's leg last year. Uh, well, February of last season. Um, they have a history of just being really, really bad at both the refereeing side and the VAR side. So last night we had Coote as the referee and Oliver as the VAR. And for me, I think both of these are incompetent. I think regardless of which role you put them in, they are incompetent. They're constantly making news about themselves rather than the games that they're overseeing. And last night is no different. Uh, Wolves had a goal disallowed. Roman size, actually lovely finish. And it was disallowed for offside, but they didn't check that in the build-up, Connor Cody looked to blatantly handle the ball and stop a Wolves counter-attack right on the halfway line. I'm fairly certain Wolves had a 2v2, which would have been a 2v1 uh, had the ball gone by Cody, and they never checked the handball. Focused in on the offside, never looked at the handball, and I'm almost certain it was a handball, which probably would have led to Cody maybe not getting a red card, but certainly a yellow card, and it certainly would have been a free kick for Wolves. Uh, but then at the end of the game, Raul Jimenez kicks out at Robin Cock, and it's a blatant kick out. It's a blatant aggressive action. It's a red card all day long, and he got away with it. And it, this is just how it goes with these two they just miss these things or, or overlook them i don't know if they don't know what constitutes violent conduct or dangerous play but that was violent conduct jimenez of course scored the winner maybe the softest goal you'll see all season really really poor defending from from uh from leeds carries the ball from the right-hand corner of the penalty box all the way across to the D. Nobody makes a tackle on him. He turns and he hits a really weak shot, which Calvin Phillips tries to block and heads into his own net. A really weak goal, a really bad goal for Leeds to concede, but then it's compounded by the same player kicking out and getting away with it. And I have to say, whatever about Michael Oliver, he I know he's seen as one of the top referees in the country, if not the top referee in the country. I'm not sure why... He's, he's a very poor referee. David Coote is completely incompetent. He is completely unqualified to work at this level. In fact, I would say he's unqualified to work at any level of professional football. And it's not necessarily his fault because, well, it is his fault, but I don't think referees should be VAR. I think referees should just be referees, and that should be their job, and they just focus on that, and they do nothing else other than referee. I think the VAR system is doomed for failure because it is referees acting as the VAR. And in a lot of circumstances, what you get is people that work together regularly, like these two, where the VAR doesn't want to overrule the referee because he's it's his mate and he doesn't want to make him look bad. I think the way to fix VAR is to have it be an independent organization, centralized, without referees, with people who are trained simply to be the VAR and nothing else, that don't have to focus on anything else. I also think it would be helpful if we didn't know their names. 
and I know that's strange, but I think if they could be anonymous, I think it would help them make better decisions and be a little bit braver in the decisions as well. So for me, I look at the VAR situation, I think, so I said this to Jonathan Norcroft yesterday uh, on, on social media. I think if we can separate the VAR from the PGMOL, we can make VAR work correctly. Liverpool have received a lot of stick for asking for a review of the VAR decisions. And I can see why people would give them stick over. But at the same time, if we don't question bad decisions, if we just allow this to fester, VAR is going to fail. I think a lot of people would like it to fail anyway. But I think it can be very, very beneficial to the game. But only if it's a separate entity with people specifically trained to be the VAR, to know what they're looking for. It's the only way it's going to work. So that's that would be my suggestion to fix VAR. Take the referees out of the equation, separate body, separate entity, no overview by the referees. It doesn't help that someone like Mike Riley is over the referees. I mean, this is a guy who's a terrible referee, and now he's head of the referees. That makes no sense. It's no wonder the quality of refereeing has slipped so far. But the VAR thing, it just needs to be people who are specifically trained in that field and nothing else. Because otherwise, you're going to get decisions where the VAR doesn't want to overrule his friend. Maybe the VAR is a younger referee and doesn't want to overrule the senior referee. Because that senior referee might have some sway. And can maybe, you know, make it more difficult for that younger referee to progress and get the bigger games. Um, Gotten a little bit sidetracked there, but you get the point. You, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, in terms then of a couple of things that happened on Friday that I didn't get to respond to yesterday, Jack Butland has moved to Crystal Palace from Stoke. I really like this deal for everybody. I love it for Crystal Palace. They got him really, really cheap. I think they pay $1 million down, which when you consider three years ago, Butland was $30 million without question. Before the ankle injury, he was set to be England's number one for a long time. He hasn't fully recovered from the ankle. I, I know he had to have a second surgery because the first one didn't go particularly well. He's not the goalkeeper he should have become, but he is still a good goalkeeper. I think the change of scenery will do him the world of good. It's a great move for him, Premier League football. Great move, for, like I say, for Palace because they get a good goalkeeper who's still relatively young for a goalkeeper. I think he's 27 now. And they get him cheap. And it gives them a bit of competition for, for Guetta. And, uh, yeah, all things so considered all in on that one. Brighton signed Danny Welbeck. And I had been calling for them to sign a striker, but I just don't think that Danny Welbeck is the one. If you wanted to sign an older, injury-prone English striker, why not sign Daniel Sturridge? Vastly superior player. Vastly superior goal record. Much more suited to how you play. I don't understand how Daniel Sturridge doesn't have a club. I wish Danny Welbeck all the best, but I don't like that deal for uh, for Brighton at all. Uh, Spurs finally got the Joe Roden deal done. They got it done quite cheap. I think it's 11 million rising to 16 or something in that range. Uh, he's a good young centre-back. He has leadership qualities. They'll need to develop him. They'll need to bring him along slowly. He can't just be thrown in. But all things considered, it ticks the box. I would have preferred them to sign a left-footed centre-back just for balance, because I think the way they play, where the centre-back split out quite wide and that holding midfielder drops in, I think it would have been beneficial to have the, have the lefty there. But Roden's a good player and they got him at a good price. And then 
Saeed Ben Rama, who failed his medical with West Ham, which put the skids on the permanent deal. But what West Ham have done, and I think it's quite clever, is they've done a loan with an obligation to buy next summer, assuming there's no further issues with the medical. They'll have all the, you know, further tests and that done. They'll go more in depth in it. You'll probably see a bunch of specialists. And what they'll do then is they'll clear him, and as long as everything turns out to be fine, they'll sign him permanently next summer. It's a great deal for West Ham. It's a good deal for, for Brentford as well, because they already got the Watkins money in this summer, and now they know they've got the, that Ben Rama money coming next summer. Um, and I think next summer they'll probably end up selling. I think Rico Henry goes next summer. I don't think he has more than one more year there unless they come up. Uh, and Buemo is the same. He's super talented. Keep an eye on him this year. If you're looking for a championship player who's going to score a ton of goals, I think he's the one. And they signed Ivan Tony, and I expect him to score quite a few as well. So Brentford definitely one to watch. Very clever club. Um, and that's that. Right. So a few weeks back, I did my Premier League prediction for the season. Um, and just to run through it, I had Liverpool top, then City, Spurs, Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Wolves, Everton, Leicester, Southampton, Brighton, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United, Leeds, Villa, Newcastle, West Brom, West Ham, and Fulham. In that order, 1-20, to before the season began, when the transfer window still had weeks to run, that is what I predicted would be... The final 20. Now, we're five games in. Some teams have only played four, but we are five weeks in. The transfer windows are all closed. No more transfers will take place till January. So I figured I'd relook at it, figure out there's definitely going to be some changes. Some teams have started much better than expected. Others have started worse. So I thought I'd do it again and lock these in as the, the final prediction for the season. So... Um, I might as well start at the top again. Uh, I've kept Liverpool top. And this became much more of a questionable one in the last couple of days with the news about Van Dijk. But I still think Liverpool have the better front three. They've got better fullbacks, the better goalkeeper. I think midfield is much closer now because of the arrival of, of Alcantara. So I think Alcantara and Fabinho both start for City along with De Bruyne. So... Liverpool's midfield is, is about equal, I think, to City's. City have probably got better depth, but I do think... And then their centre-back pairing now, Ruben Diaz and Laporte, I think that is really, really strong. I think it's better than the Matip Gomez pairing we're going to see for Liverpool. But all told, I still think Liverpool have the quality. I still think they have the belief. I think losing Van Dijk in a weird way might spur them on a little bit. Um... So I'm keeping Liverpool top, but I think it is going to be close. I've got City second. Like I just said, really good centre-back pairing. The goalkeeper's very good. He has his moments of being questionable, but game to game, he's generally a good goalkeeper. I like their options in midfield, and they've got a ton of them. I don't trust the left-back. I don't trust Mendy. I'm not a huge Walker fan, but he has improved defensively over the last couple of seasons. But for me, Mendy's too inconsistent. They don't have a reliable backup there. Uh, and up front, obviously Aguero's incredible. Obviously, Gabby Jesus is very good. Sterling is one of the five best players in the league. Mares is excellent. 
Bernardo Silva plays up front and Phil Foden can play up front. They're all very, very good players. What they don't have is that that natural outlet, the one that can stretch the play vertically and horizontally the way Leroy Sané did for them. And I think that is something they will miss. It's something I'm surprised they didn't try and replace. I know you're you're not going to replace a Leroy Sané. He's one of the very best players in the world. But at the same time, I thought a natural left winger, a natural left-footed left winger, is something they would have gone for in the summer. And uh, for some reason, they made the decision not to. So I've got them in second. I think they've got work to do. They've obviously started the season a little bit inconsistent, but they'll be there or thereabouts. They're they're a great team with a great manager. Um, I'm keeping Spurs third. And I think the only thing they need to do is get out of this habit of conceding late goals. Because I actually think the gap from them to City and Liverpool will be smaller than I initially thought. That's in part because they're better than I thought they'd be. It's also in part because Liverpool and City are worse than I thought they'd be. I think it's going to be quite a compact league this year. I don't think anyone's going to run away with it the way Liverpool did last year or or City did uh, three years ago. So Spurs in third. And I think, as I said before, anything outside the top four is a disaster for them. I think it will be completely unacceptable for them to finish outside the top four this year. Fourth is where I've got my first big change. And I've actually surprised myself with this one. I've got Everton. I've got Everton fourth. Um, I, they've started the season brilliantly. James and Alan are just different class. They just, they're absolutely different class. And the thing with this Everton team is, as well as they're playing, Mason Holgate, who's their best defender, still has to come back into the team. They added Ben Godf- Godfrey. I really like the signing of Robin Olsen. The more I think about it, I think he ends the season being first choice. I think he's more reliable than Jordan Pickford. Now, he's not a world-class goalkeeper by any stretch, but he is a good goalkeeper. Throw out that spell at Roma, because everybody who's gone to Roma in the last few years, with very few exceptions, has struggled. There's been a weird thing at Roma with young players, or any players really, signing there, and either stagnating or just going backwards. Look at Justin Clivert, Amadou Diawara, Cengiz Under. The list goes on. Just go and have a look at the signings they've made over the last four years and tell me how many have been a success. It's not many. Really is not many. Um, So I think he will help them. Like I say, bringing Godfrey was a good signing. Holgate to come back. The right-back situation is not ideal. Coleman is past his best. But him and John Joe Kenny are good players. And I think they'll give them enough at right back that they'll, that they'll get through the season there. They can obviously buy in January as well. Luca Dini started the season brilliantly. Uh, the midfield is working well and the front three are, are firing. Calvert-Lewin is just on fire. He doesn't know how to not score a goal. Um, and I think the fact that he's so good in the air is such an unusual threat because you don't see many strikers in the Premier League anymore. Bar Chris Wood who are great in the air. And Calvert-Lewin is ridiculously good in the air, but he has everything else to his game as well. The hold-up play, the hard work, running the channels, leads the line brilliantly. He is He's going to the Euros next year. Make no mistake, Dominic Calvert-Lewin needs to be on that plane. Um, so yeah, I've got Everton in fourth. And again, a big part of it is their manager. Uh, just he's He's one of the best managers we've ever seen. So 
that um, that's got to be worth points over the season. So with them fourth, that drops Chelsea to fifth. Uh, hit and miss start of the season, obviously, so far. They look good going forward at times, but it still doesn't look like they have a real plan in attack. It's almost like it's just the talented lads making things happen outside of the structure. Um, it was important for Havertz and Werner to get their first league goals at the weekend because it just gets that out of the way. There's going to be no no more talk about Timo Werner because I think everybody expected he'd start really quick. It hasn't happened for him, but maybe now he'll pick up confidence and start to score regularly. But concerns in the midfield, the defence is a mess. It, it can be described no other way. It's, a, it's an absolute mess. They're averaging 1.5 goals conceded or 1.47 goals conceded under Frank Lampard. That really is not good. Really, really is not good. That's the type of form that it doesn't really matter how good your attack is. You're not going to win anything with that defense. So until that gets sorted, um, unfortunately for Chelsea, and because I think there's big question marks over Frank, I think fifth. Um, in sixth, I've got Arsenal. That's where I had them originally. We keep them there. Uh, I do have faith in Arteta. I think he needs to show more in big games. He gets a little bit overly defensive in big games, but you can see there's a very clear picture of what he wants to do. You can see that he has a very clear structure to his team. Every player knows their role, and they all seem to understand the role of the player next to them as well, so that when they rotate, they can all just take that role up and perform it to a relatively decent level. Um, they've got a better squad, I think, than most people realize. I would have question marks over what happens if Leno gets hurt. I'm not a massive Leno fan, but the drop-off from him to who they've got behind him is colossal, the biggest of any of the top teams. Um, so that remains to be seen. I like the right-backs as wing-backs, don't like them as full-backs, but they can be made work. David Luiz is, is a weakness to me. That is a weak link in your team. He is going to cost you goals and points over the season. But Gabriel has started really well and looks really impressive. Kieran Tierney's fantastic. You look through the midfield and Thomas Partey has to come into this midfield. He he is a top, top midfielder. So I think Arsenal will finish sixth. But it wouldn't surprise me if they pushed Chelsea really close. And it wouldn't surprise me if they actually finished above Chelsea. I don't think they have enough for top four. But I don't think that needs to be the aim this year. They finished eighth last season. I think a good run in the Europa League. Don't rule out them winning the Europa League. Don't rule that out. But I think a good run in the Europa League and an improvement in the league is good progress for for Arsenal this season in the first full year under Arteta. Uh, seventh, I've got Leicester. Had them ninth last time round. And um, to be honest... I don't feel good about it. Um, I felt really good about it after the first three games. When I when I was watching them, I was like, okay, well, I've, I've, I'm wrong on this one. So I thought they'd finish ninth. Uh, and I thought they'd carry the hangover of last season into this season. But they started brilliantly. Uh, three good wins. Really impressive performance against City. Genuinely looked like they could be top four contenders, but their last two performances have been awful. They were they were terrible against West Ham. They were not good at all against um, against Villa. I know part of that is they're lacking a number of players. I mean, Madison's not fully fit yet. 
They were missing Vardy. Sayonchu was out. Pereira has been out all season. And Didi is out. So it is a bit of a patchwork team. But at the same time, you know, players get hurt over the season. That's just what you have to deal with in the Premier League. So the drop-off for them in certain areas is a bit concerning. But I still think they'll be, you know, they'll be more competitive than I thought they were going to be. I think Rodgers has done a decent job over the summer. Really like the signing of Wesley Fafana. And I think seventh, and again, I think they'll be in the mix. I think you've got you've got the top three. I think you've got this four, and maybe maybe the team I have an eighth, who'll contend for that fourth spot up until about kind of early March, and then there'll be a bit of a gap where one or two teams fall off. I think Leicester is one of the teams that will fall off at that point, but I still think they can compete for Europa League. Uh, in eighth, I've got Man United, and it's largely down to the manager. He's just not very good. He's he's just not very good. It is that simple. Um, the talent is there on the pitch, but he doesn't seem to know how to use them. You watch United play. There's no there's no structure defensively or on attack. There's no pattern to play. There's no defensive rotation. They're forcing Harry Maguire to play in a, a system that does not suit him. And frankly, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked if Ollie doesn't make it till Christmas. They haven't started well. They're very, very lucky to have six points because Brighton battered them and really deserved to win the game. So I think they're a little bit lucky to even be on six points now, let alone, you know, anything more. You've got United fans claiming they should have nine. I'm not sure what game they think they should have won, but Spurs walloped them. Palace beat them comfortably. It has not been a good start. And as I've said before, there'll be no pressure on Ollie until pundits and journalists start calling him out. And anyone I've seen do it so far is Miguel Delaney. Uh, all towing the company line and going on about what a great guy he is and how happy all the players are to play for him. Well, we've heard all this before with other other players and other managers. I look at Donny van der Beek, who's getting 15 minutes a game, and I wonder if Ollie really wanted him. Was that really a signing that United had planned at any point? Or was it just something they did on the spur of the moment? Um, ninth, I've got Wolves, who haven't impressed me so far this season. Um, they do currently sit sixth on, on nine points, but performance levels haven't been good. Um, the performance against West Ham was something that should never be repeated. They were lucky on the opening day to beat Sheffield United, got the two early goals, and United dominated the rest of the game. They'll be there or thereabouts, and again, I think they'll be in the mix for Europa League until late on, but there's just something. I think that I think they got worse over the summer, is my, my view on them. I haven't watched their game so far. I just think they got worse over the summer. I think they missed Jota. I think they missed the movement and the pace. Um, they're really missing Doherty as their outlet down the right. And Pereira, as I said before, is a better player. But I just think for the system, he's, he wasn't the right fit. They, they're going to have to make tweaks to the system. The defence, you wouldn't trust that defence in any situation. Um, it's it's just, just not particularly good defensively. Clean sheets are not. They're not particularly good defensively. Um, and rounding out the top 10 then, I've got Southampton. I've, I had them in 10th, and I'm going to keep them there. Now, I'm a little bit sceptical on that one, but it's my belief in Ralph more than what I've seen on the pitch so far that keeps them there. 
as I've said before, I think there is a gap from the top nine to the rest. And I think there's this group of maybe eight or nine teams who could finish anywhere from 10th to 17th, 18th. Um, and Southampton are the kind of the, the one I'm picking to top out that group. Uh, biggest change in that group then is Aston Villa, who I had predicted 16th. I've now got 11th. They've just made an unbelievably good start to the season. They're not going to keep this pace up. They're not going to... I don't believe they'll get European football this year, but look, anything could happen. They they do look different class this year. I have to say, Grealish is playing very well. Ollie Watkins is is a nightmare to deal with for any defender. Ross Barkley started the season or they started his Villa career brilliantly. Two games, two goals, two really good performances. The midfield is functioning well. The defense is functioning well. It is all working for Villa. I do think they'll hit a wall at some point, but. For now, I've got them 11, or well, for the season, I've got them 11, but it would not surprise me if they finish above that. They're the one team that I'm I'm really impressed with this season. I think on current form, obviously, they're a top four team, but I, I do think they're um, they're really stepping up the level. The, the summer business has worked off brilliantly. Um, next, then I've got Leeds. I had them 15th, now going for them to finish 12th. They've made a good start. They've been a little bit unlucky. They were unlucky last night against Wolves, uh, unlucky against Liverpool. But all told, they belong in the Premier League and they belong in mid-table. They will get better over the course of the season, I think, as more of the players they signed in the summer come into the team. The likes of Rafinha has to come in. Uh, Lorente has to come in. It, they're really well managed, really well coached. They're going to be good. I've got Crystal Palace in 13th, which is where I had them. It's where it's where Hodgie likes to finish. Doesn't want to get too excited about anything. And I've got Newcastle in 14th. Um, they're currently sitting in the opposite position in the league. I do think that's just where they'll finish. Bruce has done a decent job. Hodgie's done a Hodgie job. Their performances at the weekend were an atrocity. Uh, in particular, Palace. One shot on target at home, and it was a penalty. 0.00 non-penalty expected goals. That is just... That is, it takes really, really hard effort not to have a shot on goal for 90 minutes. Really, really does. Um, after that, then I've got Brighton. I've dropped them from 11th to 15th. Um, just don't think they address the needs in the transfer market. I think Ben White improved them having him back, but other than that, they didn't make any signings that improved the first 11. They needed that striker. I think they needed that left wing back. I think they'll have a tougher time this season than, than I expected, but I still think they'll be absolutely fine. I don't think they'll have too much trouble from a relegation point of view. I uh, got a good point, obviously, against that decrepit Palace team, but they have... They have work to do. Let's just say that. They have work to do. But it's a young enough team. It's it's a long season. Um, I didn't think I'd have these teams this low. I've got Burnley in 16th. And it is only Sean Dyche that gets me keeping them 16th. Because they have been atrocious. They signed nobody in the summer. They really let the manager down in the summer. Really, really let the manager down in the summer. I mean, you, there's just no way that as a Premier League club you can't find 
six or seven million to go and buy a couple of players. There's just no way. As a, a pandemic, pandemic or not, there is no way you cannot find that money at this point. Uh, you've made big profits the last three years. You definitely have that money in the bank. And you should have backed your manager even just a little bit. He only asked for one player, Joe Worrell. And you came nowhere close to getting him. And then you signed Dale Stevens. He didn't even play the same position. Um, 17th then Sheffield United. They've just started the season so poorly. And they were very, very fortunate. Now, they deserved the point against Fulham. But they were fortunate to get the point against Fulham. I think second season syndrome has hit them hard. They look blunt in attack, and it's not just the fact that they don't have a natural goal scorer. Once Brewster comes in, he solves that problem. But there's just not enough creativity. There's something lacking through the midfield. Now, maybe when they get Jaden Bogle into the team regularly, that will help um, from wing back. But all told, I'm, I'm concerned. I am a little bit concerned, and I do think there is a real possibility that they get dragged into the relegation dogfight for the entire season which I didn't think would happen, but I actually do think it will happen now. Uh, I think West Ham have had a good start to the season, but I still have them in 18th. I still think they go down. Um, the fight back against Spurs was really impressive, as were the two wins against Leicester and Wolves. I just wonder, is this a little bit of a, a spurt, and then they'll fizzle out? I think West Ham go down. I've got them 18th. Uh, and then the bottom two, I've got Fulham in 19th. I had them 20th. And West Brom 20th. I had them 19th. I think those two just lack the quality. Uh, Fulham made a lot of good moves at the deadline. I think they got a lot of good players in. But the problem is they got them in on loan. And I just don't know that you get the full buy-in, the full commitment. They also lost then Joachim Anderson to a bad injury. And he's going to be out for a while, which is a, a huge blow. I really like Gluckman and I really like Loftus-Cheek. I hope there's enough goals in that team. January will be interesting to see what they do because obviously if they look like they're staring at relegation, they might just go and sign another loan player, which, again, you're not going to get the full buy-in because the player doesn't know if he's going to be at the club next year or not. You wouldn't expect them, if they're looking like they'll go down, to go and spend a bunch of money because, you know, that... It's just a big expense for a player that you then have to carry down into the championship with you. But all in all, I, I think Fulham did a better job in the window than West Brom. West Brom, I like Grant, I like Diangana, I like Pereira, I like Conor Gallagher, but the defence hasn't been touched. Don't don't give me Branislav Ivanovic. I'm not having it. That defence has so many holes and it's so many weaknesses. It's going to be problematic for them all season. 13 goals conceded already this season. And the only other team that's conceded as many as Liverpool. And you know Liverpool aren't going to continue to concede at that kind of level. So it is a massive concern for West Brom, who should be better defensively. Uh, so that is it. That is my 20. Liverpool, Man City, Spurs, Everton, Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester, United, Wolves, Southampton, Villa, Leeds, Palace, Platoon, Brighton, The Blades, Burnley, West Ham, Fulham, and West Brom. That is my 20. I'm locking that in for the season. It will most likely be wrong. 
<laughs> because I'm not very good at predictions. As you will have seen, you will have heard if you listen to this podcast every Friday when me and Guy Drinkle do the predictions for the week, or if you listen to last Thursday's uh, A Tad Predictable, where I went to Dewa's show, I'm not very good at predictions. It's just not something that I'm good at. I don't know why. But uh, that is what I'm going with. I think we're in for a bit of a crazy season. I think we'll see... I think we're going to see a continuation of the bizarre scorelines. I think that's one thing you can be pretty certain on. We will see bizarre scorelines through the season. Um, but at the end of it, I do think the cream will rise to the top and the best teams will end up in the top two, three positions. Um, and there's probably a hint of bias to me picking Liverpool. I freely admit that there probably is a hint of bias to it, but I still think they've got the best team and. I think they'll go in January and buy a centre-back. I think they'll buy someone that they will view as a partner for, for Van Dijk for next season, and they'll have him partner either Matip or Gomez for this season. And that will get them back on track. They still have Alcantara to, to become a regular in the team. Alison Becker has to come back in, and he's back in two weeks maybe. That's going to be massive for them. Um, yeah, that's that's who I'm picking. Hold me to it as well. Um, that's it. That's my show. That's me today. Thank you, as always, to Producer Guy. Thank you to Foxhorn for our title music. Check out EPLindex.com. Check out LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off your VPN product. And thank you for listening. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.